the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're about to visit another miracle. Luke chapter 5 is where we're at. And this miracle shows us once again the sovereignty of Jesus. Join us. Abounding Grace is next. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, we welcome you. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. We're in Luke chapter 5 today, verses 12 through 15. If you were with us last time, you'll remember that Jesus had told the disciples to let down their nets for fishing. After the disciples had already been fishing all night, it's the middle of the day, and if you're a fisherman, you know that fish don't bite in the middle of the day. But God tells them to do this anyway. And the miracle that ensues is the subject of our time today now on Abounding Grace as we take a look at the sovereignty of Jesus. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast. We consider again today the touch of Jesus. But with the prayer that as we consider the touch of Jesus, that we feel the touch of Jesus in this place. We saw last week that when the leper came to Jesus to be healed, Jesus touched him. He declared that he was willing to cleanse him. He then cleansed him, and instantaneously he was completely holy, well, and free of leprosy. And it is that miraculous touch that I want us to consider again this week. We saw in the gospel according to Mark chapter 1 verse 41 that Jesus was moved with compassion, which is a statement that we actually do not find in Luke. And then being moved with compassion, Jesus touched this leper. There was in the Lord Jesus Christ a warm, tender affection toward those who were experiencing brokenness, and suffering of whatever kind as a result of sin in their life and in the world. His heart was moved with compassion when he saw someone suffering. Last week we even looked at various other situations in which Jesus' heart was moved with compassion. When Jesus saw people ill, he was moved with compassion. Any type of suffering, any type of distress people experience in this life because of sin in this world or in their life moves the tender affection of the Lord Jesus Christ to want to come to their relief, to do whatever he may to deliver them from their suffering and sin. And we saw that the reason Jesus was so compassionate to those who were suffering because of their sin was because of his sympathetic heart. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 4. We find a wonderful statement about the Lord Jesus Christ here. Some of you may have already studied this with Kevin. I, I don't know. I haven't been there for a while. 
But this is a great and wonderful verse. Chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our affirmities or be sympathetic toward us, but was in all points tempted like as we were, yet without sin. Let us come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The reason the Lord Jesus Christ touched people with compassion was because he had a sympathetic heart for their situation. Now, I'm sure most of you are not like me. I need love and sympathy. If I get a headache, even if it's not very serious, I want Krista to be sympathetic toward me. When I'm sick in bed, I want sympathy. When I'm upset about something or with someone, I want sympathy. When things aren't going my way, I want sympathy. I want someone to take my hand and tell me everything is going to be all right. It's going to get better. I'll help you any way I can. And oh, my friend, one of the sweetest things in the world is sympathy. Just to know someone cares about your situation is something that I know is precious to all of us. We want people to say, I understand. Don't worry. Everything will be better soon. Well, as rich and wonderful as human sympathy is, the Bible says that Jesus has sympathy for us in our sin and our weaknesses, and that is why he touches us with compassion. Now, he doesn't condone anything in our lives that is wrong. There has never been one sinful thought, gesture, mood, attitude, relationship that any of us have been involved in that the Lord Jesus Christ condones. But understand that the Lord Jesus Christ says to us, who are his people, whenever we face temptation and we cave in, make fools of ourselves and give in to sin, Jesus has sympathy for us and he says, I know what it's like. I know what you're going through. I know how weak you are. I know how you can get yourself all tangled up and enslaved to one sinful attitude or habit after another. Listen, he says, I sympathize with you, and I'm going to make it better. Now, you know, as Christians, I don't think there's anything we need more than the sympathy of Jesus. Because every day of our lives we sin, and he doesn't condone any of it, but he says, I know you. I know you better than you know yourself, and you are far worse than you think you are, and I know many of you know you're pretty bad. But I want you to know, as sinful and as weak as you are, I love you. I know what it's like, and I'm going to make excuse me, make it better. Have you ever known anyone who pretends that in all of his life there's never been anything wrong with him? 
I'm a super spiritual Christian, and I have no doubts about my faith. I don't have any great temptation. Nothing really shakes me. There are no weaknesses in my life. Have you ever known anyone to act like this? All they want to do is impress you that everything in their life is always the way it ought to be. Now, there are two kinds of people who make that type of pretense. One is a proud and arrogant person who wants everyone to think more highly of them than he deserves. And the other type of person is someone who is afraid of anyone finding out the truth about him. I've got to put up this front. I want to act like my marriage is wonderful, my life is wonderful. I don't have any doubts, no grief, no problems. Because if anyone really finds out the truth of what I'm like, they won't like me anymore. They'll think less of me. There are those who even think they can hide the truth about themselves from God. Now, beloved, because Jesus has a sympathetic heart, you never have to pretend you never have to act like something you are not. You never have to try and look perfect before God or your brothers and sisters. God knows what a wretch that you are. God knows the deepest, ugliest places of your life. And He says to you, listen, I know you better than you know yourself. I know you're not perfect. I know the holier-than-thou front that you put up is nothing but a facade. I know you have temptations that you wrestle with. I know you have doubts that plague you. I know you have hurts and problems in your life. Don't worry about it. I'll make you feel better. And you don't have to pretend. The touch of Jesus is a touch of compassion because of his sympathetic heart. In fact, he is so sympathetic towards you and I that he is willing to go to any extent to comfort us and to relieve us of all of our hurts and our sins. And how do I know that? Because that's the story of the leper. Jesus touched a leper. Now bear in mind several things. In spite of the risk of infection, he touched a leper. In spite of certain criticism on the part of the Jewish church of the day, which forbid anyone to ever touch a leper because he was unclean, in spite of knowing that he would be ostracized by the entire church, the Lord Jesus Christ touched the leper. In spite of the fact that he could have been infected with leprosy when he touched that leper, he did so anyway. Why? Because the leper hurt. And Jesus had a sympathetic heart. And the leper surrendered himself to Jesus. The leper was living a life of living death. And yet, he was willing to do whatever the Lord willed for him. And that moved Jesus with compassion because he had a sympathetic heart. 
He risked the criticism of the church and risked the possibility of illness just to touch and relieve sin and the effects of sin in that leper's life. There is nothing. The Lord will not do in compassion for you, His children, to save you from your sins and from all of the consequences of sin in your life. The touch of Jesus is a touch of compassion. It is a touch of sympathy because the Lord Jesus Christ is tender-hearted. Do you see how committed He is to rescue the perishing? Do you see how committed he is to save you no matter how weak and puny you may be as a Christian? No matter how prone to stumble and wander you may be. You see how committed he is to rescue you and heal you as his people? He is willing to risk everything to touch and heal this leper as well as the leprosy in your life. There was compassion and sympathy in Jesus' touch. Therefore, being made in His image, that same type of compassion and sympathy is to be manifested and felt in our lives, beloved, toward those who are suffering as a result of sin in their lives and in this world, so that it will move us to do whatever we can to show sympathy and express compassion and to bring relief. And that relief should come not only from the expenditure of our money and our energy and our life, but largely by the presentation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, interestingly enough, um, that Mark used the word in Mark 141, Like this, he said, and moved with compassion, he touched him. And that word can also be just as accurately translated, anger. The Greek word can be interpreted, moved with compassion, he touched me. Or it can also be translated and interpreted, moved with anger, he touched me. Now, what in the world am I getting at? Well, first of all, let me say that this wasn't the only time in Jesus' life in which he was moved with anger. Everyone knows the story of the cleansing of the temple. Jesus came into the temple with a whip or what was called a cat of nine tails with little pieces of metal and glass and bone and rock at the end of all these various pieces of leather. And he went into the temple swinging it to cleanse the temple from all of those who were taking advantage of the laxity of the Jewish priest. And people were jumping out of the windows to get out of the way from this angry look that was on Jesus' face. But do you know, according to Benjamin Warfield, there was another time in which Jesus was angry and wept that we don't normally relate to him being angry? And that was at the tomb of his dear friend, Lazarus. Turn to John chapter 11. Most everyone knows the shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35, Jesus wept. But you know, they don't really know why he wept. 
because they've never looked at the context in which this situation took place. Look at verse 33. Speaking of Lazarus, Mary, Lazarus' sister, Mark says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Now, those words in Greek reveal that this deep movement of his troubled spirit involved anger. But the Lord Jesus Christ not only wept at Lazarus' grace at grave because of his grief, but also because of his deep troubled anger over the situation. Now, listen. Our text says, moved with anger, Jesus touched the leper and healed him. Healed him. Now, what would it be about these two situations with the leopard and Lazarus that would move the heart of Jesus to anger? It was the same thing that moved him to compassion. It was the ravages of sin and the wickedness of sin in the leper's life, and it was the ravages of sin that brought about the death of Lazarus along with the sin that was in his life that moved Jesus to cry. Sin makes Jesus angry. What sin does to people physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, socially makes the Lord Jesus Christ angry. The same Christ who was moved with compassion at sin and its consequences, is also moved with righteous indignation and intense anger at sin in a person's life and what sin brings in to that person's life. So if our picture of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be complete, we must understand that He not only has a compassionate heart, but his heart is also filled with anger wherever he sees God's name profaned, God's kingdom resisted, and God's will not done on earth as it is in heaven. These things make him mad, and they move his heart to act against them. Now keep that in mind. Now there are three things that we can see in the anger of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, understand it wasn't irrational. Christ didn't have some kind of chip on his shoulder. He wasn't something, it wasn't something uncontrollable that just came upon him without any good reason. The anger of the Lord Jesus Christ was completely under his control, being the perfectly disciplined man that he was. And how he showed that anger was directly governed by the word and the character of God. The Lord Jesus Christ was such a disciplined man that he would not allow himself to get angry at anything except what made God angry. In all the times that he was angry in his life, he never sinned once. Because his angry anger was always aroused by the very same things that aroused the anger of the living God. When God sees disregard for his will in the lives of his creatures, God is moved to anger. And whenever the Bible says God was angry, the Lord Jesus Christ would also be angry because he was the perfect 
image of the living God. That's the first thing we can say about the anger of Jesus. It was directed and governed by the word of God. It was not irrational or arbitrary. Secondly, now this is very important, listen carefully. The energy of Jesus' anger was focused on solving the issue that caused the anger. Anger is very powerful. And I'm sure you've seen what men have done to people as the result of blind, reckless, boiling anger. Well, the regulated, godly anger of the Lord Jesus Christ was also experienced with great power and energy. But it was focused on solving the problem before him. Jesus saw the leper ravaged by sin, existing in a living death, and it caused him to be angry. Not so that he just flailed his arms around, jumping up and down with frustration, but his anger moved his great heart so that it touched the leper with compassion. Moved with anger, says Mark. He touched him and healed him. Praise God for his anger, beloved. It's your salvation. His compassion is your salvation. Where would you be if Jesus were not compassionate? His sympathy is your salvation. Where would you be if Jesus was not sympathetic? And his anger is your salvation. Where would you be if the Lord Jesus Christ was not so moved by anger and by sin in your life that he uses all of the energy of his anger to rid your life of that sin and heal what sin has ravaged and what sin has broken? Where would we be without the anger of God? poured out on the heads of his enemies who are hardened in their reprobation against him. The anger of God as the love of God and the compassion of God and the sympathy of God guarantees the defeat of all of our enemies and the eradication of sin from our lives and from the entire universe. And a mature faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is not only able to say, thank you, Jesus, for your compassion, Thank you, Jesus, for your sympathy. But it will also say just as sincerely, thank you, Jesus, for your anger. It is the power of that anger that heals lepers and delivers us from the depravity of our sin, which depravity he hates and moves him to anger. Now, there's a third thing we can note about the anger of Jesus. First of all, it was directed and governed by the Word of God. It was not simply blind emotion. Secondly, it was energy that was focused on solving the issue that moved the great heart of Jesus to anger. And thirdly, Jesus' anger was rooted in his own holy character. The reason Jesus got so angry at sin was because he was so holy and because of his love for holiness. The reason the Lord God himself is angry 
And the reason the Bible can say he is angry with the wicked every day so that the anger of God is the most devastating thing in the universe is because God is of unblemished holiness of character and he loves that holiness of the character with all of his heart. Beloved, the more holy a person is, the purer, the more unblemished and holy in heart and mind and conscience he is. The more sensitive a person's conscience and heart is to the presence of sin in his life, the more it grieves him that he is a sinner. The more it pleases him to serve God and be like Christ, the more his sin repulses him, and the greater his anger is toward that which is contrary to the will of God. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866. 866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.